So nice to see you. Um, welcome to our live stream. We're here joined today um, by John Belcaster. Um, he is the general counsel of Miss Chief, one of the fastest growing uh, contemporary fashion brands uh, that exists today. We're so excited to have him. He has a lot of uh, great information to share about starting a brand protection program. We'll be really talking about like onboarding, the process with that, of what it looks like to um, onboard a new partner um, to, to go after, um, you know, infringements online. So John, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you could do a short introduction and then we'll hop right into the questions. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Thanks, Susie. A pl pleasure to be here. As you mentioned, I'm the general counsel of an American art collective uh, known as Mischief, Novals, MSCHF. We're based in Brooklyn. Um, we are a collective, a small collective with a large footprint worldwide, small in the sense that there are only about 30 of us, um, large footprint in the sense that we strive to um, comment on culture and comment on society by participating in the culture and participating in society. Um, and that type of participation, that type of art and, and artworks finds us sometimes engaging in, in one of one artworks and, um, and oftentimes engaging in more than one of one artworks. Um, a pleasure to be here and uh, look forward to the conversation and any uh, questions that might arise from uh, you or others in the audience. We met um, a couple of months back and you guys are seeking out a brand protection platform. I'm just wondering if you could share um, a little bit about what prompted you to seek out um, a solution in the first place. Yeah, sure. Kind of uh, uh, pulling back to what I just mentioned about uh, our artwork sometimes being one of one and sometimes not being one of one. Um, about a half year ago, February this year, we launched an artwork um, not to tune any horns, that was uh, much more than one of one. It was something that many folks have said, um, in essence, uh, broke the internet. And that was the big red boot uh, that, we, that we put out to the world in the middle of February. Um, and uh, much to our delight, and if I'm being quite honest, uh, a bit to our surprise, uh, the big red boot, no pun intended, did have a large footprint uh, across uh, the planet, frankly. Um, we, uh, right out of the box, saw deep, deep and wide interest in this artwork of ours. And um, with that wide interest, uh, we saw a very fast follow of wide misappropriation uh, of that artwork. Uh, we very uh, quickly learned of um, entities that were, in a fast fashion type of sense, spinning up um, straight up counterfeits of this that were branded mischief uh, and, and, and the only branding we had on it was on the sole. Um, we saw uh, knockoffs uh, coming fast and furious. Um, and in the face of this, uh, this was the very first instance in the history of our art collective where we did have to think quite keenly and quickly about protection um, of our creations. And it was a result of that fast and furious need that we um, recognized that despite a small size, we were casting a very large net with this piece and one in which if we didn't work quickly um, to get our arms around protection, uh, we might uh, lose the proprietary stake that we had in the big red boot. That was, I think, one of the biggest um, things that we talked about in our early conversations 
uh, about how it's extremely uh, a large landscape out there where, um, you know, it had such a mark on people and an impression on people and they wanted to uh, have it. And of course, um, with artwork, there's rarity and scarcity in that. And so um, how do you protect that while also um, showing it off to the world? You know, it, it's something that we talked a lot about. Um, what would you say were like the biggest challenges for you when it came to like starting it off? Because, you know, there's all this volume that you're experiencing. So, you know, how, where do you even start? Um, or where would you say like that conversation really started where, where we need to focus our, our time and energy to? Yeah. You know, looking back um, uh, to February, uh, it's almost charming how naive uh, we were in general, myself in particular, because I was sitting right at right in the middle of this need to to engage in some protection. Um, naive in the sense that at first instance, uh, we, and, and by we, I really mean myself, because this is a one-person legal function, uh, we're trying to manage the misappropriation um, in-house by ourselves uh, manually. And um, no surprise, that was uh, an unwieldy and unmanageable and frankly, a maddening undertaking. You know, what we were literally doing was um, building uh, manual sheets in, you know, Google Doc format as we're seeing misappropriation, as we're seeing counterfeits, as we're seeing knockoffs come in either on um, the social uh, media platforms or in marketplaces or standalone websites, we were just tracking those. And then um, against those tracks, uh, marking instances when I would spin up uh, takedown requests, when I would spin up C&Ds. Um, and the volume was so large and moving with such velocity. Those manual lists were getting, as I say, uh, just absolutely maddening in, in length and scope. Um, so much so that uh, then we had to think, start, start thinking seriously about a service provider. Um, a name that came up, uh, I'll be quite honest, uh, was not Mark Vision. Uh, it was uh, Core Search, uh, uh, one of the leaders in the field, and that's a firm that I took a deep uh, look at uh, and um, did some diligence on them, had some meetings with them. And frankly, not knowing too much about the territory, was inclined to maybe sign up with them until, just by spooky good fortune and word of mouth of one of our strategic partners, uh, Mark Vision's name uh, came on uh, to our radar. That caused me to pivot a bit and certainly uh, out of respect for our strategic partner and the strong um, urging we were provided to look at Mark Vision caused me to look at Mark Vision and I haven't looked back since then. Um, I could go deeper into why uh, why that pivot occurred um, and, and why we did uh, at the end of the day go uh, deep into Mark Vision, um, but I'll stop there in case I uh, <laughs> further need what we go. No, I mean, John, um, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about like what um, you know functionalities or features that you you were interested in um, with our service. I know that um, kind of our place in, in the fair protection spaces uh, on the newer side. And um, we're always looking to work with companies that are fast paced and growing. Um, that's kind of part of our mantra. And so we want to work with um, companies like Mischief who kind of are also growing with us in pace. Um, but yeah, if you could talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. 
Yeah, sure. So let's set aside the recommendation of the strategic partner to cause me, cause me to take a hard look at, at Mark Vision. And I, I will say this, when I was looking at core search, I had strong uh, follow-up recommendation from lots of folks in the legal community. So many of our outside legal uh, uh, law firms uh, were recommending core search. Um, and that caused some red lights to go up um, because then when I learned of something uh, excuse this characterization, off the beaten path, um, I became intrigued. Um, why did I become intrigued? I have a special affinity for small and new and startups, because that's, in, in essence, um, what mischief is in some regards and what I'm most comfortable with. Um, in the diligence with Core Search, you know, strong firm, strong brand, um, I had a sense that given the size of elective, we might be left behind uh, in some ways with Core Search. They were large, they were legacy, um, I had a certain whiff of bureaucracy. Maybe that's uncharitable on my part, um, but none of that uh, was coming at me when I was taking a look at uh, Mark Vision. Here was something new, small, seemed to be fit for purpose uh, for mischief, certainly, but also seemed to be mission aligned uh, with us. And what do I mean by that? Um, we're in our collective, as I say, that... Um, does things that sometimes light the world on fire, and, and we're trying to learn by that. And I get a sense that Mark Vision um, is also, as it's working mightily to um, obtain market share and market presence, is also uh, learning in a good way. Um, and that kind of coincidence was comforting to me because I had a sense that mischief, as we're standing up a brand protection might have the ability to weigh in on Mark Vision's um, development of functionality, uh, creation of features. That was a hunch I had, you know, back in the spring, and that hunch has been uh, borne out. Um, I can't tell you the number of times, Susie, that I've been talking to you or Alexis uh, or Sora on the IP protection side and uh, offering up a suggestion on how the UI might uh, better serve our purposes or our particular bit of functionality or some features on trademark surveillance might serve our needs. And those suggestions I've offered up have uh, to a suggestion been listened to, um, have been respected um, in ways, again, not to cast any aspersions that might not have been the case had we aligned our ship with a more established and a legacy brand. Of course. Thank, uh, thank you for sharing, John. I know that that's something that we've also talked about recently is as your um, brand is growing at a rapid pace, right? Protecting those and having those trademarks in place, the portfolio in place. Um, that's, of course, uh, an important component of what we're working on together as well. We did recently finish the onboarding process and uh, now we're seeing the first detection results come through. Um, what would you say is like, the most critical part of that process or like how how you have you been liking um the the process of going through that data and and you know taking action against um sellers like what have you been thinking about a lot going through the through that volume yeah sure you know i guess we're maybe a month in or maybe a little more than that um to um to our uh, through our onboard and and I have to say there are a couple things but if there's if there's one thing I can point a finger to that's that's been most refreshing it's the interplay or equipoise between robot and non-robot and what do I mean by that um, it's the ability to have um, the UI and the user experience and the power of the of the AI that 
that that uh, serves to you know detect and, and help monitor, but also um, the comfort of knowing that there's a human being there. Um, and you know we have a superb account manager um, working side by side with us, uh, sales lead yourself. Uh, Alexis is our account manager. We've set up a cadence that is of of my choosing for uh, kind of plugging in and working together during this initial onboarding quarter of what the AI is serving up and what it means. Um, you know, we could have done a, a an account manager check-in, you know, monthly or quarterly, but for my own sense of comfort, um, I requested uh, twice per month and that has served us well. Um, and it's enabled... It's enabled mischief to get a sense of how to best separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff. You know, uh, how to best kind of kind of tune ourselves to recognizing that we don't have to fight every fight. Um, that every kind of infringement, knockoff, counterfeit battle that might loom on the horizon isn't necessarily one in which we want to invest ourselves because there's, you know, part in the the metaphors here. There's a there's a larger war here, so to speak. Um, and I have to say, kind of going back to the pre-Mark Vision days when we were trying to do this manually, um, we just had no way of, of knowing, you know, what this all meant. Are there in this, you know, in this tabulation of a thousand counterfeits or a thousand infringements, are these each discrete? Are they part of a, a, a more important um, subset? And one of the absolute wonders of the onboarding, aside from the robot, uh, non-robot um, um, component, um, is the ability for mischief to, to see the patterns and, and glean um, the, the differentiation between irrelevant and relevant infringements. And um, I forget what Mark Vision calls that toggle, whether it's like the seller's perspective or the seller's button or, or yeah, what. Seller view. The seller view, you know. So, so when I toggle that in the UI, I can see um, immediately who the principal infringers are. And and once we have that lens through which to view the infringement world, we can deploy our resources uh, more effectively, more cost consciously, and more and, and more powerfully. And again, when I was vetting the, a competitor. Um, to, to my knowledge, uh, that functionality didn't exist. And now that we're living with that functionality for this first month or so of onboarding, uh, we're thanking our lucky stars that we have it at our fingertips, because otherwise we would just be kind of, you know, treading to keep our heads above water and not really gaining any ground in terms of protecting our, our assets. Of course. One of the other questions that I had for you that comes up in my head um, is your interaction with your audience um, and your interaction with like influencer collabs, because you have a lot of um, interesting uh, collaborations and IP that exists in tandem with um, users or with um, influencers. And so I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that, because I know that that's like a really big part of like how uh, Mischief kind of does its um, <clears throat> does its marketing and business. Um, you know, 
how do you strike a balance between that, like the creative partnerships and ensuring that your brand's integrity is still like being maintained, making sure that um, everybody understands that this is still a mischief um, item, which clearly, you know, with the Paris Hilton Crocs Club, um, that that was certainly the case. Yeah, sure. N- another another great area for us to explore, it, it, you know, is in our collective that um, comments on culture by, by participating in culture, we find ourselves sometimes participating in the culture in an authorized manner. That's uh, on the left uh, with Paris Hilton there and the Crocs. I'll get into that in a minute. And in, you know, what you can call an, an unauthorized uh, manner. We might have a slide or two on that coming up next, but let's talk about an authorized collaboration. Um, and uh that is uh, typified by the collab we recently did with Crocs. Um, and what we see here is Paris Red Boot wearing the collaborative artwork. We call this big red boot, parentheses, yellow. Um, and uh, one of the upsides of, of, of having Mark Vision with us on this particular collab is it enabled us to work um, quite efficiently in tandem with the IP protection apparatus of Crocs itself. Crocs is a very large commercial brand, as we all know. Um, and not getting uh, too far into the weeds or too inside baseball here, um, Crocs took, has taken the lead in monitoring and enforcing infringements of that particular artwork um, that we did in collaboration with them. Be that as it may, we at Mischief want to have line of sight into what um, infringing activities are occurring um, against this particular authorized collaborative uh, artwork that we did with Crocs. Um, And to our, again, uh, uh, delight, um, the Mark Vision platform enabled us to set up a monitoring against any infringement of Big Red Boot Yellow, uh, the, the, the collab, but through the human uh, partnership that we have with our cart manager, Alexis, we learned something quite important. And that is um, Mark Vision will help us monitor. Uh, but what we don't want to do with the Mark Vision uh, platform is engage in any enforcement against that particular artwork. Because what I learned is if um, Crocs itself is engaging in enforcement of infringement of that artwork, and we were to activate the Mark Vision platform to also enforce, that could cause a marketplace, that could cause a standalone website, that could cause a social media um, platform um, to kind of run across purposes and prevent that asset, uh, that artwork from actually uh, being protected. Um, Now, being able to talk this through with Alexis and not have to do it by way of email or not have to rely upon my own, you know, clunky devices to figure this out on the platform, um, just kind of, uh, served us monumentally um, with regard to the, the the nuance of this particular piece of art we put out there, which is a very long-winded, and I apologize, ham-handed way of saying that we have some nice customization available to us, given the type of custom uh, artwork uh, that we do. Now let's talk about um, Un, uh, unauthorized collaborations and you know we uh, we did something called the big fruit loop uh, back in december where we kind of leaned into a, a famous uh, brand there on the left uh, you know uh, the kellogg's brand or general mills or, or what have you we did something called the legal chips kind of leaning into sun chips um 
This is the type of what some refer to as appropriation art that mischief uh, sometimes finds itself engaged in. Um, and it causes us to kind of walk on a razor's edge. Now, you know, what do I mean by that? Because this is the type of stuff we sometimes do. We often see the audience or influencers, this is a hand-handed way of characterizing it, doing the same thing to us. And then that creates a dilemma for us. If somebody is appropriating our artworks in an unauthorized manner, the way we're appropriating these brands in an unauthorized manner, that causes mischief to ask itself, what do we do about that? Is that an instance where we need to fire up all the power of Mark Vision and its platform to protect and monitor and enforce or not? Um, again, uh, a concrete example of, of what I'm talking about would be uh, something uh, like uh, this WD-40 right here. We're kind of taking a poke at WD-40 in a, an appropriative manner, in an unauthorized manner. And by the same token, there have folks that have done the same thing with our big red boot. We have seen in our monitoring on Mark Vision, um, creatives, influencers, artists out there, take the big red boot and use it as an object for their own art or creativity. We've seen it used as a uh, flower pot. We've seen big red boot being refashioned as a ceramic piece as a necklace. We've seen big red boot being refashioned by influencers and creatives and artists as little tiny miniature dissolvable boots that you can kind of, you know, put in a, 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 a glass of water and watch it evaporate. Now, if you're taking a hard line on monitoring and enforcement, as the brands often do to us, you fire up the Mark Vision um, machinery and you go after those folks. But because the Mark Vision uh, machinery is so precise in its monitoring and so um, uh, kind of customizable in how we go about toggling enforcement and you know takedown, it enables us to make judgments as to when or whether to unleash that type of monitoring and enforcement. So as an art collective, again, the nimbleness of the platform, um, given the razor's edge that we're off and on with unauthorized collabs and the unauthorized appropriation of our um, artworks serves us quite well. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that we think a lot about here at Mark Vision is how do we kind of make this scalable, right? So there are certain things that you're going to want to enforce on, take a more hardline stance on. There are things that you're going to be more flexible on. Um, how do we teach this to AI um, and learn those enforcement patterns so that we can work with you so that as time goes on, right, we're going to also understand your needs as a brand. Um, and have that reflected in our monitoring and detection um, is something that we think a lot about and and would like to reflect in our product, right? The nuance of um, your brand and respecting the relationship that you have with your um, audience, with your influencers. I think the nuance of um, enforcement is extremely important in the world of brand protection. Sometimes, you know, it's it's not enough to just take action against someone um, in, in the kind of like traditional marketplace, social media takedown, it might be a letter. Um, how do we talk about those things? I think the human element um, and component here with the account managers, with Alexis, 
um, that's also really a big part of how we build out a brand protection strategy here at Mark Vision. Um, you know, actually on that topic, John, I, I did want to ask you, like when it comes to enforcement, uh, what kind of enforcement is particularly appealing to you? Like, I know that you talked about sending demand letters in the past, like CNDs. Um, is there anything else that you've found or is, has been helpful um, in, in your enforcement efforts? Or do you think, um, you know, the standard marketplace takedown is, is enough? Um, I'm just wondering if you could touch on that topic a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, a couple of things. Uh, 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 this is not an exaggeration. I and my colleagues who sat in on some of these first onboarding meetings were startled when we saw the performance metrics in our first reporting period. And we were startled when we saw them displayed in a visual manner. Um, so making up numbers here, 500 uh, detections in that first monitoring session. And then we see them uh, in a line graph uh, organized by a region or organized by infringer. Um, no surprise to, to anybody, I guess, who might be uh, listening in here, um, preponderance of, of, of infringements were uh, arising from Asia. Um, and uh, once you take a step even further, uh, within Asia, preponderance were uh, you know, some of the big uh, e-commerce platforms. Um, so what has been helpful for us in terms of thinking through our strategy of enforcement is just seeing in a visual manner uh, where the detections are centered, number one. And then number two, in terms of enforcement, uh, kind of still early on to this whole process, we've been served well by the strong entry, points of entry that Mark Vision has to that sector of the world. Again, when we were doing this manually, we have strong points of entry to uh, US-based uh, uh, platforms, uh, whether it's Shopify, uh, Amazon, Mark Vision does as well, but we had zero with regard to the DH gates of the world, the JDs, the Alibabas, et cetera. Um, so after the initial presentation of the results and monitoring, it was quite refreshing to be able to lean on um, the machine, uh, a Mark Vision's machine, and our account manager um, with the points of entry that both the, the platform and the account manager and Mark Vision in total have to the DH gates of, of the world and Alibaba's and, J, and JD and see swift um, takedown action. Um, and uh, again, not blowing any smoke here, had we have been left to our own devices with takedowns uh, against those platforms, we'd still be waiting. Uh, on those. Um, and that's no exaggeration because we did take a stab um, at takedowns ourselves and, and Asian-based marketplaces. And we got nowhere very quickly. Um, so the power of uh, influence that Mark Vision, both its software-based tool and the human beings in front of and behind that tool have in that sector of the world where so much um, uh, detection and infringement occurs um, has been very, very beneficial for us. Got that. Um, yeah, our enforcement capabilities when it comes to takedowns and, and building those partnerships can be helpful, especially in Asia, where I know a lot of brands deal with problems. Um, and, you know, 
one of the biggest or largest conversations that we have together um, is like, uh, is our portfolio, right? Is our IP portfolio, has it been taken care of? Are we, um, do we have the rights? Uh, when we don't have the rights, what are our options? Um, and brainstorming through these things together, I think we've had a couple of chats about like expanding that portfolio as well, John. So, um, you know, in those key strategic partnerships that we have in Asia through our partnerships team, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about um, how do we make an enforcement strategy that works for a brand that is growing its portfolio? Um, and how do we make sure that uh, we are good advocates of um of your of your um of your name uh out in Asia to ensure that you're able to um ensure that you're able to do takedowns. Um I was actually wondering um if we could do some questions at this point that we just received. Um I just see a couple that um maybe we can answer John together um before we I know um, we might wrap up soon, but I just want to get to those questions before we wrap up. Um, one of the attendees asks, how have employees within Mischief reacted to the new brand protection measures? Um, can you share any like positive feedback or um, stories that, that your team has had together? I know we're kind of early on in our um, in, in the program, but yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about like the internal feedback that you have. Yeah, sure. You know, again, without going too deep with kind of inside uh, baseball here. Um, and you heard this before, Susie, um, uh, and not to reveal too much about our secret sauce uh, within Mischief, there, there's a, a clump of folks who are desirous of uh, precise protection. And there's another clump of folks who uh, are, eh, uh, you know, uh, this is art, we're doing art. And um, um, so we had this kind of a little bit of a cultural divide, maybe divide is too strong a way to characterize it. Um, but what has been, again, uh, delightful about uh, Mark Vision is the ability uh, to navigate uh, that, uh, again, divide is too strong a word, but navigate those kind of two cultural views with, within the collective. And um, on the one hand, um, fire up all that Mark Vision has to offer uh, when warranted, um, but then dial that down, toggle it down in terms of strategic filters uh, uh, to, to enable us to not be characterized, and this is my characterization, as, as hypocrites, right? Um, as we just saw from, from the WD-40 and we just saw Big Fruit Loop, uh, we are leaning into the IP of uh, corporate property rights holders. Um, that's in many measures how we participate in culture and create some of our artworks. Um, so the last thing we want to do is when we see others leaning into us is to kind of wield a, a heavy hammer. Um, and everything about Mark Vision's approach to IP protection allows us to navigate uh, that space, navigate that divide uh, quite uh, thoughtfully and purposefully. Yeah, glad we can, can we do that together? And um, I know that when we first met, we had a lot of conversations about do we want to take action on everything? How do we, um, are we able to take action on everything? Because it was quite a large volume. So um, I think um, you know, having those discussions and really seeing the results and having good analysis 
about that data, right? Sometimes wanting to take down everything is a result of kind of not really being able to focus on what's important. But when we have that data, uh, we're able to have a more productive conversation about who we need to go after, who are our targets, how do we prioritize? Um, I think the data categorization efforts um, of, of brand protection is really key in understanding um, understanding where our resources and time need to go to. Um, and then last question, um, I think we have another question here, is I hear a lot about um, educating consumers in brand protection. How have you approached this at Mischief, especially when information can spread like wildfire online? Um, yeah, I mean, Mischief has a really intense, strong brand presence and so um, online presence. And so I was wondering, um, you know, what, what does go into educating your consumers about uh, your products? Yeah, well, I'm going to kind of flip that a little bit. We sometimes look upon ourselves as educating uh, not consumers, but uh, educating uh, the producers of IP as to what brand protection is all about. How do we do that? Well, um, we mm. find ourselves engaged in legal entanglements. Um, and um, uh, there are a number of instances, some of them quite high profile, some of them still in federal appellate courts where corporate brands, corporate property owners have a certain view of brand protection that diverges from ours as an art collective. Um, and whenever that disjoint arises and that disjoint finds itself in a legal forum, uh, we work mightily to inform the uh, judiciary and inform the corporate brands and thereby inform uh, society, I guess the consumers of all uh, all, this, uh, all these proprietary assets as to what is and is not uh, proper brand protection. And um, in our view, what it comes right down to is that there is no universality. There is no, um, um, uh, kind of painting with a very broad brush in our judgment. Um, and that's a if you want to look at it from the brand's perspective, I guess you would say, um, just because you might have the right to protect your brand doesn't mean you ought to exercise that right. To have the power is not necessarily um, synonymous with wielding that power. Um, and uh, you know there are there are artistic reasons why that um, kind of imbalance exists, but from a brand's perspective, I, I have to imagine there are cost reasons why that imbalance ought to exist. And to take it full circle, as it goes back mm -hmm. to what you said, Susie, um, you, you, you can't and you ought not to kind of battle everything. Um, because you'll do nothing as a brand other than, you know, spend your days protecting your brand. You'll never create anything new. You'll never innovate. You'll watch the world pass you by. Um, so, you know, we educate our consumers about brand protection by uh, creating the art and creating the fashion that we do, participating in the culture, and then just seeing where those kind of chips fall and, and, the, and then figuring out um, how we ought to manage those chips when they fall in, in untold ways. Yeah, um, I definitely think that that's quite poignant, um, John, and get, gets to kind of like the legal philosophy of intellectual property and what does that mean to protect your brand? And um, I, I think that it, it's quite 
um, interesting because you guys do make a lot of social commentary as, a, as an art collective. And so, you know, how, how do we make those balances um, and make it work for you while also making sure that your um, presence online is somewhat um, recognizable and, and um, respected in the manner that your team has kind of envisioned the brand being um, present online. We want to make sure that everything is kind of like on the right road to, to the direction of your company rather than necessarily um, saying like everything that might violate our intellectual property we have to go after. Um, kind of striking that balance and nuance is, is really important. And so we're glad to be a partner uh, with you in, in this effort. Um, yeah, well, thank you. That was a great note to end it on. Um, thanks for joining everyone today. Uh, John, um, thanks for joining us today. That was really great. Great. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. Bye, everyone.